And basically what we are trying to do is that many times when we look at Christianity, we have preconceived ideas, and we don't always go to the Scripture, but we formulate a Christianity around what we see around us and not allowing God to come and speak in that area and, and say, actually, what, is, what does God want for us, and how does God want us to live for Him? So last week we started just a Christian, and then the, the phrase in the bottom we said, we are not one of those type of Christians, those radical type of Christians, and we, and we some way, shape, or form create a subgroup of Christianity that we fall in, and basically we said there's no such thing, there's only one type of Christian, and that's a radical one. Um, so you're in or, or you're out. And so we will continue with that uh, this evening, we're going a bit more specific into certain areas from this week on. So buckle up, I think it's going to be awesome. Okay, man. Hey guys, my name is James, for those who haven't met me, and I'd love to pray for us and pray for myself. Yeah, Father, we've already said it tonight, but I say it again that we want you. We don't want just wise words from man. We don't want just um, our own opinions and counsel, all these things. We want the power of God in our lives, Lord. We want to be built upon you as the rock. And I, I pray that you would come tonight, Lord, and by your power of the Holy Spirit, just come and open our minds up, Lord, to more of who you are, more of the truth. Pray that as, as just the truth is shared tonight, Lord, that um, wherever the enemy is camping out in our thoughts, in our identities, in any area of our lives, I pray that he would be exposed for the liar, the deceiver that he is, and that, that we would walk out of here in greater freedom than when we walked in, Lord. I thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Father, thank you that it is actually meant to be a joy serving you and knowing you. So where the enemies come and made it a heavy thing, and made us introspective and always feeling like we're not good enough or I'm not qualified or I'm unworthy. All these, it's just, it's nonsense. And we come tonight and we take the spotlight off ourselves and we put it on you. And we say, you're the worthy one. You're the beautiful one. You're the one with all wisdom, all capability. All faithfulness is yours. All consistency is yours. So come move in power tonight, Lord. We give you our minds, we give you our hearts, in Jesus' name, amen. So Henry gave a good, kind of set the scene of the series that we're doing. We've got Mike DeFay also coming next week, and uh, he's going to be speaking about um, basically how every Christian is also called to be a theologian. Interesting, eh? Theology literally just means the study of God, to know Him. So all of you already, without knowing it, are theologians. Um, but it's something that we're called, I'm getting some amens here, I like that. Are you a theologian? Are you? Oh, come on. It's actually a trick question, because you're all theologians. You all have a knowledge of God. You have a study of God, and we're called to grow in it. If the sun's clapping you in the face there, I'd encourage you to move. It might be uncomfortable. You are a month. You're just suffering there silently. <laughs> so, yeah, what, what I want to speak about tonight is our is our title slide is, I can barely help myself. Don't ask me to help others. Anyone feel that right now? Maybe even with a little bit of sass. Some people have said like, hey, I just feel like you need to give a little bit more church. And you're like, hold on, brother. I'm not in that season of giving right now. I'm in a season of receiving. 
And in a, in, a, in a way, yeah, we do go through those seasons where the Lord is doing different things in us, but there are certain givens. They're, they're done. In the Christian faith, we are always called to focus outward and not inward, regardless of the season you're in. You might be in a time of heart surgery, the Lord working on lots of things in you, but it doesn't mean you go hide in your room or in just your little quiet spot with God until you are better and come out. I think that's the lie we sometimes believe, is I'm just not healed enough now, so I just need to get through this, and then once I'm done, then I'll come out. Good luck getting done. Is anyone done yet? <laughs> You're not going to be done. It says when you see him on the final day, then you'll be like him, fully. But now you are in a process of restoration. Um, so one of the things we really want to do through this series, and, and Leonard and, and Henry did it well last week, is just starting to get the spotlight off us. Um, but it takes a while. We're slippery little creatures. We get the spotlight back on, our, on ourselves very quickly. So I'm, I'm hoping even by tonight, for some of you that a weight will come off, some of you actually need to laugh at yourself. And that you've been operating from totally the wrong mindset. And the solution is to stop taking yourself so seriously and to say, sure, how dwarf can I be to think that this is about me? If you look at the Christian faith, let, let's take us back here. Just set a little platform. Are you a Christian today because of you? Is there something found in you that you were more, you were just more humble? You were more noble. You may be noble family you came from. The Lord was just knocking on the door of everyone, and you were a gentleman, and you said, come in, Lord. <laughs> hey? What view do you have of yourself? Or were you ungodly, an enemy of God, a mess? You hadn't contrib contributed maybe 200 rand to the deal, and the Lord's like, I'll make up the rest. You were in the negative. I could have given you a million lives to get it right, and every single life you would have messed up. That is the gospel. It's not a second chance. It's not more information to hopefully you get it right this time. The gospel is news. It's not advice. It's good news that Jesus has done something from beginning to end for you that you could never do. So even as you listen to the sermon today, do, do not let your lens be, yes, I hope I get some helpful information today to help me just on my journey. You will get helpful information, but you've got to start from the right basis that to be a Christian is from the beginning you declare spiritual bankruptcy. And you go, there's a click. <laughs> Very Pentecostal, I like it. <laughs> it's from the beginning. You, it's blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's not like you start becoming spiritually rich now in, your, in yourself, and the Lord's like, we can't lose this guy. We need him. No, you're still as fraught. Sorry, it's bad news. You're still as helpless as you were on day one. So you've got to go, in order to deal with even discipling one another, like what we're doing in this, pastoring, leadership, all these things that are more downstream, you've got to go upstream to the source of your faith to say, what understanding do I have of what it even means to be a Christian? 
Because that's where lots of your problems stem from. I mean, I had a long chat with someone this week where I thought we were count. So it was, this is what we're talking about. This guy said, please, can you disciple me, pastor me, help me, whatever words you want to use. And he thought his issues were all this stuff over here. Half an hour into the discussion, he's looking at me going, James, if I'm honest and I'm listening to you, I don't even know if I'm sure what sin is. What is sin? And do I even believe in it? And I'm like, now we're talking. Because if you're just misdiagnosing someone's issue and saying you need a little bit more peace here, maybe a little bit more joy, maybe a little bit better diet for you, you need to go to bed earlier, that's downstream in the river. Upstream at the source for many of us is a deep understanding of who is God and who am I and what is true in the gospel that has breached somehow this divide between the two. Um, Just listen to some of these scriptures quick. I'm not going to put these up because it's just like like opening up a fire hydrant and making you drink quickly a bit. Just a few of them. Ephesians, yes, I'll start with one you all know. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is your own doing. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. 2 Timothy 1, verse 9. God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Again, God who saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Are you getting the message? There are many other places, he says it. You see it in the Old Testament. God speaks to Israel, Deuteronomy 7. He says, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. You didn't qualify yourself somehow. And then later, he says, it's not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you're going to go in to possess this land. You just see the message coming over and over through the whole Bible. It's not about you. It's not about you. And we need that same reminder today because we default the whole time to it's somehow about me. Any clicks or amens to that? I mean, it might sting a bit. You're probably sitting there going, geesh, I have been thinking it's about me. It's one of the best realizations you can get because you've got to admit it and see it first before you can almost throw cold water. I'm I'm almost going to throw spiritual cold water on your face today. So you go, oh, wait, hold on. He's right. Of course it's not about me. So what do you think, I just wrote you, what do you think are some of the main misconceptions or obstacles we have to living this way, to seeing as Henry and I were chatting about it, the the famous verse, I think he's going to focus in on it, is Galatians 2 verse 20, that says, I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, but he's saying, it's I who live, but not I. And that's the realization we need, and that whatever God is calling us to do, even each week when you sit here and you get another sermon, another message, or you open your Bible during the week, your mindset must not be, God is over there, I'm over here, 
and I've got my little clipboard, and I'm taking my notes, and he just tells me to do another thing, and then hopefully I present it to him, and he's like, yeah, thumbs up or thumbs down. The Christian life is what? Is God still there and I'm here? God has said, I'm going to make my home in you. I'm going to write my own law on your heart. I'm going to come make my abode in you. And I'm going to lead you now, parts of righteousness. So when you hear a message, even today, and it starts feeling heavy for you, or it feels like you've been called to something, you're like, I can't do it. You need to speak truth to yourself and say, yeah, that's right. It's actually right. I can't do it. And say, the only reason I'm able to do any of these things God is calling me to is because of His power, because of His grace. It lifts the load off. It doesn't make you go passive. If you're going passive, you've not finished your journey yet. Let us do the self-talk and then go, okay, hold on. If you're a comm leader here today, who's a, who, are there any comm leaders here? What's it, how do you often feel sometimes, maybe a Wednesday at like 5 o'clock? You ever feel the weight of leading? <laughs> and, you, and then you, the night starts and you're like, guys, I'm just feeling something different tonight. I think we should just reflect on the preach. And everyone's like, mm-hmm. There's a, there's a pressure sometimes of everyone sits there looking at you and like, what are you going to cook up? What do you got for us? And even as a leader... Your mindset should not be, it's about me and what I can give these people. It should be, God has chosen to use me as a microphone. He's the singer. He's the one with the message. I'm literally just a microphone. So, Lord, use me. It, it takes the weight off. Put the pressure on him. And take it off yourself. Um, so, some of the misconceptions also here, I think, is just in general... I think many of us buy into a self-focused Christianity. You could call it consumerism. So many Christians around the world, I can tell you on a Sunday, arrive at church, and they're basically arriving at a restaurant. They're saying, what's the food going to be like today? How do I rate it? Is it going to meet my needs? And the sad thing is that people come to church not realizing they are the church. Amen? Your mindset is more, no, I go to church on a Sunday. Have you ever asked someone, are you a Christian? And if they're really nervous, they're like, yeah, yeah, I go to church. And you're like, oh, it's, it's, it's fine. Calm down, it's fine. And I pray. I've, I've prayed recently. But people have this mindset of, no, I go to church. But that would just be a sad state for us of the church. We need to realize we are the church. And God now is living his life of this kingdom through us to one another says, this is the way the world will know that you're my disciples, by how often you go to church. No? By the love that you have one for another. That it's going to be a type of love that the world's going to look at, and even we will look at, and we'll go, this love I'm feeling for Armand right now, like, bless you, Armand, but it's not coming fully from me. Like, I'm feeling God's heart for him, and it's a sign and a witness that it's not just I anymore who am living. It's Christ now through me. And it creates an excitement. Have you felt that before? Maybe you've sat in the mall. Do, like, create a challenge for yourself. Go choose a coffee shop in a really busy area. Watch people walking past. Don't do it in a creepy way. Pretend you're reading a book and just glance up every now and again. Act cool. Or like, go through your settings on your phone or something. But as people are coming past, say, Lord, 
You haven't just called me to be your witness, to go out there, then I check in with you. You've said I'm literally with you and in you. So as I sit here right now and I look at these people, give me your heart for someone walking past. I'm a microphone. No one praises the microphone. So just speak through me. It's not about me, Lord. I feel like I've got nothing today, but that doesn't limit you, Lord, because I'm your vessel. So speak. You've got to change the way we even view ourselves. Um, so will you take me up on that challenge? Start small. Maybe that you just need to go to the person you order your coffee from and be like, you look nice, and then like run away. <laughs> Start tiny. Doesn't have to be full like leading them to the Lord. Just, just, <laughs> might be weird. Be like, I'm a Christian, bye. <laughs> but as you put your faith, as you put your faith out there, the Lord is going to be like, well done, my boy. Well done, my girl. Okay, here, faith with little, I'll give you a bit more. Give you a bit more. And you develop, I've, I've felt it, you develop an excitement with the Lord of like, um, your prayers start changing each day. It's like, not, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to do today? Because we often pray that way. You start changing your prayers way more exciting to going, Lord, what do you want to do today through me? Here I am. Send me. I'm still going through my issues. I'm going through a lot right now. Got a lot on my plate. But still, Lord, who do you want to reach through me? Amen. So I think that's, that's, that's one of the diagnoses I can see of why an obstacle, I think, is that consumer mindset of just coming to get for yourself and forgetting that you're just a vessel to give to others. And you know what's another one here? I don't know how, maybe it's relevant for some of you, but I think we can end up also with a false view of self-denial, that many of us are brought up, I think, it, it, even in Josh Jen, we've got a strong message that if, if people don't receive the wholeness of the message, they'll get a bit stuck. So we've got this line of dying to live. But many Christians I speak to, it feels like they're stuck in dying. It's to live. So you don't just die. I mean, what use is that? You're just like, oh, I'm just going through a season of dying. Like, no. <laughs> like there's a seed falls into the ground, dies, and does just lie plat. No, it springs up and bears life. So anything we go through, any death you go through is always for the sake of life. And I, I think we can also end up quite introspective, maybe sometimes, and like, I'm, I'm just busy dying. <laughs> but I'm like, you said that three years ago. <laughs> We've got to realize, no, I'm always constantly, Paul says it, we are, we are always handed over to death. If you want to make a note for yourself, go read 2 Corinthians 4. It's that passage where he says we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the power belongs to God and not us. And he says a fascinating thing. He says, death is at work in us. Death, so that the life of Christ may be made manifest in us. I love it. I go through seasons. I had one the other day. I was, we were driving to Mossel Bay. And I was like, yes, Lord, I'm dying. And the Lord's like, Psh. <laughs> what, are you, he's like what are you talking about? You're dying. And because and, oh, it was all mopey and like, mm, I'm dying. And just help me just pass this well, Lord. And uh, just felt the Lord remind me of that, saying, no, no, death is at work in you so that life, the life of Christ, may be made manifest in you. 
And for some of us, you need that perspective shift. You need to realize I'm not just called to die and to deny myself. I'm called to become someone. I am becoming more like Christ. You don't come here every week. The pastor tells you another thing you're supposed to do and not do. And you're like, yes, sir. And then you just go off to work. You are becoming something. You're becoming, you, you were predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's what you've been called to. Amen. Talana, we need you today. <laughs> um, and maybe one more I'd also add here is, who feels like they struggle with negative self-talk? If I had to listen to your thoughts in your head during the week, am I going to hear more positive or more negative? And for some of, us, some of us, we're scared, I think, of like, I don't want to be like all Tony Robbins, self-help kind of like, you're the best, you can do it. But we need to get over that. Like, how does the Lord speak to you each day? Does he condemn you every day? Often you think it's him, but it's not him. He is blessing you. Corne, are your thoughts for your children each week more positive or more negative? <laughs> You're deceived. <laughs> no, but no. But uh, that's the thing. Even if you find something in your children that you know needs to change, it's still redemptive. It's still positive. It's in love. I will discipline you. But the Bible would say he's evil in comparison to God. So how much more are your, your heavenly Father's thoughts towards you? And the, the thing is, um, Andrea, I was chatting to her earlier about the preach, and she's good at not mincing words. And she said, you, well, you mustn't just tell people that negative self-talk is like bad. You must tell them often it's from the devil. It's demonic. Get a give her a click, please. <laughs> but, yeah, what is one of the names for Satan used? The accuser of the brethren, for he accuses them night and day. So all day long, for some of us, we are being accused, accused, and he masquerades himself as light. If he just had to come as like some hard drill sergeant to you, you'd maybe get a whiff that something's up here. But he masquerades as your thoughts, as just rational kind of reasoning, saying, hey, look, remember all the things you've done. Therefore, you should probably feel bad about that. And you're like, yeah, that, yeah, that does make sense. Okay, feel bad. So many of us, you, have to, you can't defeat him. You need to now let the light of Christ shine in you, and he'll be exposed. And often what you need to do that is go meditate on your true identity in Christ. Get before the word and say, Lord, I'm not just going to wait for feelings to be my compass. I want your word to lead me. So would you tell me, how do you see me? I shared that last week at 6 p.m. I started off um, saying that I've, I've struggled a lot with self-hatred in my life. Um, mainly due to just stupid sins, especially sexual sins like pornography and stuff. But it wasn't, it, like, it leveraged off that, but it wasn't just that. It was other stuff. I think it was performance. Always feeling like you've got to perform. And then you're never satisfied with your performance. You can't rest there. And 
I've had to let the Holy Spirit totally change my thought life. That I, I was quite negative in my mind. Um, and sometimes even I'd want to say, no, I hate myself. I'd have a voice in my head saying, say you hate yourself. Is that demonic? In our first few months, even of being married, I was like, I'm going to be a great husband. And then I set these, these, this bar for myself. And when I didn't meet it, I would start hearing a voice in my head. And believe me, I didn't even know it was the devil. But then when I told her, I'm like, I just hear something in my head saying, say you hate yourself. She's like, uh, we should look into that. But I was, I don't know. I don't know how it works. It's like a spiritual fog comes over your mind. You're like, it makes sense. I deserve it. And the Lord has to come along. And we have to repent of that and say, no, no, those thoughts might sound all false, humble, pity, woe is me, but it's demonic. And you are agreeing with the enemy. And for, some, for many of us, it's not, that's not going to be solved by just coming to the front at the end. We can pray for you and stuff, but you, you really need to, be, you need to realize you're in a war. Don't just be passive and be like, yeah, I prayed in the front and nothing feels different. Like, come on, like. The amount of time you've invested in other things in your life. Hmm? Do you want to? Okay, guys, this is a prophetic word. I'm not teaching on a Sunday. Um, (laughs) So I just wanted to say, I just wanted to say that, um, yeah, I felt like while he was speaking, I'm not kidding, it is really, I feel like it is a word, um, that basically we disqualify ourselves by the way we speak to ourselves in our minds. So the, the preach is really about you know, we get all self-pitying. We're like, I can't help others because I need so much help. But actually, even that is a lie. Because as James has been explaining, it's actually about Jesus manifesting through us. It's the love of God manifesting through us. It's his strength. It's not our own strength. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time, the reason that we're not able to reach out and bless other people is because we believe it's up to us from our strength, from our resources. So essentially why James is bringing up these stumbling blocks is because he's saying, like, let's remove the stumbling blocks and let the power of God flow through you. Mm. Um, and so at the end, you'll go through a list of things that, you know, could be, I think you've already done like three of the stumbling blocks, but we can repent of those things and we can replace those lies with truth. And I mean, personally, I felt recently God saying, like, take more time to let me encourage you. You spend a lot of time saying to yourself what you did wrong and how you could have improved and how you could have given more and you could have been more self-sacrificial. But why don't you just stop, even when you do a little good thing, you know, you go and give someone a cup of water or you share your sandwich that you want for yourself. Why don't you take a second and just say like, what did you think, you know, (laughs) to the Lord and just let him go like, I love you. You've done well. I bless you. Because I think God has a lot of incredible positive thoughts over us all day long throughout our entire lives. And are we blocked off to them? I think many of the times we block them off and we're willing to listen to the bad stuff. But the good stuff, we're like, no, 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 not that. No, 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 I'm bad. You know, so I think there needs to be some level of repentance so that we can get that lid off. and We can start feeling the pleasure of God over our lives because that's strength to us, yeah. you know. Thanks, Gabby. Helpful, eh? <laughs> don't they, don't they, isn't, isn't clicking applause for deaf people? Blind? Oh, you know, you do this for, okay. Anyways, back to the subject matter. <laughs> don't work it out in your heads, just stick with me. 
I also wanted to give, uh, I, I, wanna, I want us to look now just at this one point of how can we as a church create a healthy discipleship culture? Because we use, we use the word there on that slide of, I can't help others or pastor or whatever, but it's, it's discipleship. It's becoming, it's saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ, and we want Christ to be formed in us. But a, a story just to help you even of how this looks practically. So how a me-centered thing, you can catch it in you, is uh, last year we had a time we were um, in a meeting in Edgemead praying for people. And they said, just give, give this person a prophetic word, pray for them, bless them, give them a scripture, whatever it is. And there were about five of us in a group. And I was standing there and I was so frustrated because we were play, praying for this huge boer farmer called Yaku from Freerendal, just standing there like this. And I looked at Yaku, I was like, Lord, I love Yaku. Like, I can feel your love for Yaku. But I got nothing. I got nothing. And then my head starts going, no. And then I, I'll bring a thought up, or scripture, and my head goes, no, that's stupid. Another one, no, that's stupid. No, that's stupid. And that's negative self-talk. Trying to just squash me and say, James, it's actually about you and what you're bringing. And you sound stupid, so shush. And, and I remember the others were praying, they were praying. And then, I, and then also what happens is you listen to others and you're like, yo, that sounds good. That sounds good. Eh? I, I don't have that either. It's just compar- curse of comparison comes in. And I think I was like one of the last people. Henry, you'll remember it. And no one knows this is happening. They just see you happily standing there. And I was like, no, I am not. No, I'm not letting this guy go. I'm going to open my mouth. <laughs> and I had nothing. <laughs> so, going into battle without a gun. But that's probably how it's supposed to be. That was the lesson I was learning. And I just start praying for Yaku. And, and here a beautiful soft heart starts crying. Um, and just as I shifted the focus and said, Lord, all I have for this man is love. The Lord's like, that's all I need. And I just felt, as I was speaking over him words, firstly, I felt total self-forgetfulness. That I, I didn't even realize, it's not even about James. So James, just shush yourself. This is God. You're a microphone. Just let him speak. And, and you can feel the weight of it. You can feel, you feel there's no boasting, because obviously it's not me. Why would I boast in it? God did it. Um, but it, it, was such a, it was such a powerful reminder for me of how many moments I wonder I've had in my life where I stood there with a contribution or whatever it is and gone, no, that, that's doff, like that's not going to work, or just, just shy away from it. And I think for many of us, if I, give, if I can give you one thing to pursue out of this message, it's not that you could speak in the tongues of angels. It's not that you could comprehend all mysteries and prophecies and stuff. It's that you would have love. Because if you have love, if you say, Lord, just give me love, you promise that you would pour out your love into my heart by the Holy Spirit. I'm holding you to that promise, Lord. I'm holding you to your covenant. Say, pour that love into me. That's all I need. The rest will come. And the, the, Lord, will, the Lord will give you people. He'll say, there's a man, there's a woman I can use. Amen. Other, other ways I think we can create a healthy discipleship culture is to disciple people upwards to Christ and not to us as man. When you're sitting with someone, whoever you are, you've got to resist the temptation to somehow make this about, I'm going to give you my opinions. I'm going to give you my philosophies. 
I'm going to give you all my counsel. You've got to realize, no, no, I am just, in a sense, I'm a spotlight. You ever seen those spotlights that shine on Table Mountain? Sometimes they light it up, these huge spotlights. No one worships the spotlight. They worship the mountain. Maybe some weird people worship the spotlight. But (laughs) that's twisted. No, you don't worship the mountain. No, you mustn't worship mountains and stuff either. But I'm saying it draws attention. The spotlight is drawing attention to that thing. And it's the same with us. When we are with each other, when we are leading a group, when we're one-on-one, we are there to draw attention to Christ, not to us. So often that will mean just hiding behind His Word. And maybe out of this, you're saying, there's someone in my com I feel like no one's getting to, and I've been waiting around for someone to get to me, but I'm going to come in the opposite spirit. I want to go to that person and say, why don't we just start reading our Bible together? I'm not going to become your rabbi. I'm not going to become like your sensei. Let's just, let's just do this together. That's doable, isn't it? And for some of us, that's, it might be as concrete the action as that. But it's very important that you've got to disciple people to Christ and not to you. Another thing we should do daily when we're with each other is to remind each other of our new identity in Christ. The minute you're sitting with a friend, even if you think it's just a coffee day to catch up, if you start hearing talk and you're hearing certain words too much, I, me, and you're hearing a person that the spotlight now has turned totally onto them, their worthiness before God. I'm feeling so unworthy lately. Their worship, their obedience, their devotion, and you're seeing the effect it's having of crushing them. Resist the urge to just say, well, that's fine. It's supposed to be that way. Or that's normal, whatever. You've got to call people upwards and say, you need to set your mind on things above, not on things below. And say in love, I feel like you, I feel I love you. It feels like you're just, you've set your mind on things below. Lift your eyes up um, on Christ. And there's, there's a sensitivity and there's a patience to it. It also means that you don't apply the same strategy to each person. In love, you come to the person, you say, Lord, where is this person at right now? Where are they at on their journey? Are they almost right now like the bruised reed? That if I come in too strong, it's going gonna, it's gonna to break them. Am I, does this person actually, is, has pride crept in here? And I just need to say, hey, go to a Bible study on humility to a friend. I mean, that'll say something by itself. If someone tells you to go to a Bible study on humility, it's kind of clear. <laughs> but I'm just saying that there's, there's got to be a sensitivity to each, each person, each case. Um. And train yourself, train your ear, even in your own life, when you're hearing negative self-talk, train your ears to hear your old identity versus your new. If you hear the the enemy accusing you, if you hear self-pity, you looking at your worthiness, your qualification before God, catch those thoughts and say, that's not in line with the gospel. And the more you do that, the more you're able to help also those around you. And also, choose, find somebody to love. I remember that sermon years ago. We were at City Bowl, and Ryan Kingsley, were you guys there? Preached a message. I can't remember what it's about, but I assume it was about finding somebody to love. But 
I, I, I was in a stage back then where I felt like I'm too busy or I'm just working on me. I'm just doing me. <laughs> and he just said, no, no, find somebody to love. By actually sowing generously, you're going to reap generously. If you've got your little amount of love and time and you're like, I don't have enough to give, you're not going to reap, actually. You're not going to reap back. So if you feel like you have just a few cents at the moment, almost like emotionally or spiritually speaking, sow that sense out. And I promise you, you'll receive. You'll also just, you'll, you'll live feeling the smile of your Savior. That's what you'll, that, that feeds your soul. The smile of man fades very quick. The smile of your Lord and Savior, nothing can beat that. I, I even try to do that to myself now. I'm a, I'm a big encourager of others, but also myself. So I'll do, or I'll do like the smallest thing. I'll be like, well done, champ. Well done. And Andrea will listen to me in the kitchen. She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, no, like, well done. Like, I, maybe I've gone too far somewhere. <laughs> But I'd rather have that. I'd rather be too far there than old self-hatred, James. I don't want that guy. So the Lord's just helped me to renew myself. Like, I'll, like, move a plate. I'm like, well done, champ. Well done. <laughs> so, maybe you need that also to re reset your software a bit. Um, <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> and the, the, la the last point I'll... I'll add you just before we close, is we need to remind ourselves that, like Paul said, one plants, one waters, but God gives the growth. God does the impossible work. So if you are sowing out in any way, you could have an 80, you could have an 80-year-old farmer who's farmed his whole life, and you could have his three-year-old daughter carrying the same seed in their hands. And the effectiveness of that seed is not going to be limited by the sower. The three-year-old would just have to make sure they're actually putting it in the, in the chaiki, in the ditch there. But the power is in the seed. You hear me? So when we're sowing into each other, you've got to trust the Word of God in someone's life. You might stutter it out. You might feel like I'm such a weak vessel. But don't keep the spotlight on you. It's about the seed. It's about the Word will change people. It will take root and produce a harvest in them. Amen. So just in response, I thought four things, um, four groups that you might feel you fit into. And after this, what I would love for us to do is to, to maybe get up in groups of two or three um, and to pray together. So just keep this in mind. If you feel like any, if you fall into any of these, tell the person and say, like, I, I think that's something I need to, to take to the Lord. So first one, as an action point, you might feel that you just need to message someone in your com, and like I said just now, ask them to just, re let's just read the Bible together. You might have been waiting to, I'll, I'll wait till I become a leader one day, then I'll help others. Maybe the Lord's just saying no. You might be the little kid with the little loaves and the fishes. Bring that. Find someone and say, why, why don't we just read, read the Bible together and just start there. So it might just be an action point like that. Second one, maybe you felt shy in this congregation and back-footed, and you maybe have just been one of those who just goes to church on a Sunday, and the Lord's calling you to be part of the church. Um, and I'd also say, just find somebody. Like, 
God will meet you where your faith is at. If, if your faith is just at the point right now where you just need to muster up the courage to not dart out of here the minute this thing ends, but find a person and say, listen, like I'd, would, would you be keen to have a coffee with me? I'd love to meet this week. just want to share some of my journey, my story with you. If you're there, I would encourage you to do that. So those are just two action points. And the third one is a big one. The third one is this whole negative self-talk thing. I think many of us, if I was led into a lot of your heads, I think we'd all hear a lot of often quite negative self-talk. And your action point there is to write it out, those thoughts. Don't just let them dwell. They mustn't be like squatters who are living on your private property. You need to say, you don't belong here. You're staying, this is God's territory. He has made me his own. So I would encourage you that I, I, I don't think you must just come up to the front and we're going to pray for you. You need to take your thoughts captive. Write them down and say, actually, like I did with Andrea, I need to say, I've got this thought in my head and I need to tell you about it. And it, it says, say you hate yourself. And the minute I said that to her, I didn't exactly have to go journal about it. I knew it was wrong. But I, I, I started the process of renewing my mind. Um, and if you're praying now, tell the person, say, yeah, that resonates with me. I think I do struggle with that. And these are the steps I'm going to do to actually change and to allow the Lord to renew my mind. And just a fourth one I added in here is if you're a leader in any sense in this congregation, whether you've led before or you're leading now, if you have felt that weight of I need to somehow provide for these people. If you're leading a com, whatever it is, you need to repent and say, Lord, that is the wrong mindset to have. And I'm sorry about making about me. You might be on the worship team. Any, anything that is forward and giving. And you might be, I'm so nervous for this. I don't know if I have what it takes. I, I, I. And you need to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry about making this about me. It's not about me. It's about you. So I pray that you would give me a new perspective as I approach each week and I lead others. Amen. I mean, I've just given four, four categories. If anything else, even in the message just stood out, just, just mention that too. But yeah, if, I'd say find, find someone that you have some sort of relationship with um, and also people that can hold us accountable and, and speak over this and pray together. Is that fine? Okay. And if, I'm not going to say if you're a leader, if you're a human being here, and you see someone else who looks alone and doesn't have a group, call them to be part of yours, okay? Okay, cool. Let's do that. You can stand up, you can spread out, find someone.
Okay, guys, you can land it there. I just want to pray for us before we go. You can continue these chats also, please, straight after. Um, so let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for your love for us, God. I thank you that you are the one that it is all about. It's all from you. It's all through you. It's to you. I pray, God, that come change and renew our thoughts and our minds this week, God, where we've put the spotlight on us and we've made it about our energy, our strength, our capacity, all these things. I pray that we realize that you've called us to a life of you living through us. I pray it would create excitement. I pray yokes would come off people's necks, heaviness, any burdens gone in Jesus' name. And I pray, give us in this room, Lord, the courage, the focus, and the the boldness we need to take steps in our lives that you're calling us to, Lord. Not to be passive, but to be front-footed like you're calling us to be, Lord. So we thank you for tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you are a visitor, please hand in your pamphlet at the back afterwards. I mean, by the back, I actually mean the gazebo outside. Okay. Okay, we're officially done.